one thing certain about life is change, and that's particularly true in Utah with a growing population. Gaining an understanding of how Utah residents feel about their well-being, both personally and as part of a community, is very helpful to community leaders as they work to provide the resources and opportunities for the public. It's especially helpful in planning and investing for the future of our communities. Utah's certainly going through a lot of changes, and so I was just really interested in how people are doing. I'm Susan Wood, and this is the City's Work Podcast, a discussion about ideas and opportunities in Utah communities, brought to you by the Utah League of Cities and Towns. This episode is sponsored by a valuable supporter of the League, Strata Networks, investing in community by providing the latest technological advances and building next-generation networks. Today, we welcome back to the podcast a professor of natural resource sociology from Utah State University. Dr. Courtney Flint joins us to follow up on a project we spoke about on an earlier episode of the podcast, the Utah Wellbeing Project. And Dr. Flint, nice to speak to you again. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So what was the purpose of this survey, the project? What did you want to learn through this? So well-being as a concept, in terms of measuring everything that goes into a good life, you know, it goes back to the ancient Greeks, but we tend to make a lot of assumptions about well-being. We tend to use uh, sometimes data that's not keeping up with the changes. And I really wanted to ask people directly and connect the information that we could learn from city residents to leaders and planners in ways that it might be helpful. So, you know, as an extension specialist in community and natural resources, uh, I'm most interested in providing this information to those who can actually take it and implement it in their decisions and practices. And how do you get a good assessment at the height of a pandemic? So the Utah Wellbeing Survey, the point of it was to do the work within the COVID pandemic to see how that experience was affecting people's well-being. And so we actually, by partnering with cities, we were able to get a really terrific response overall. Over 8,000 people participated earlier this year across 29 cities. Uh, But of course, it's also very possible that the pandemic affected who we heard from and who we didn't. But it was the partnership with the cities in conducting the survey that I think helped us to actually be able to proceed despite the pandemic. So tell us more about how it was conducted. Sure. Well, as I mentioned, this is a the key word here is partnerships. So we did this survey at no cost to any of the participating cities. Uh, we conducted the survey using Qualtrics and our city partners took the lead in advertising the survey using social media, newsletters, websites, flyers, local press, and everyone age 18 and over was eligible to participate. Uh, it wasn't a random sample. It was an open survey. So we got the link out and then folks went online and, and took the survey. And then we processed the data and have just presented the reports back to the cities and online for everyone to see. Did you get a pretty good response? We did. You know, as I said, overall, we got over 8,000 people participated with enough data to be useful. But the response rates, of course, varied a lot from city to city. We had the most responses from Sandy with well over a thousand people and also a lot, hundreds and hundreds of respondents from Spanish Fork and Logan, Moab, Layton. But of course, some cities had fairly low responses of about a hundred 
people are even less. And, and so we want to be really transparent about how many people responded and who responded. So we really track the demographics carefully and compare them with the latest census information. So um, we can really tell who, who we've got, and who we don't. You know, we tend to receive a lot more surveys from women and those with college degrees, those who own their own home, those who are married, those with children in the household. We really miss people in the lowest income brackets and the people in the youngest age bracket. But on other things, you know, employment and income and other things, we, we're not that far off. But we we really try to make sure we're transparent about that. Yeah, it was interesting, the demographics that you were looking for. I mean, you assessed age, gender, level of education, income, what else? How long people had lived in their community. And we also look at religion. In Utah, it's a pretty influential variable on things like this. So we asked folks about religion as well. You know, marital status, employment status, whether there's children in the household, these come into the analysis at different points in time. So local leaders, planners in particular, would really like to know how this information can help them as they look at future plans in their community or provide resources day to day. Right. So, you know, the simplest way that the survey information can be useful is just to help them keep their finger on the pulse of how residents are doing and what issues are important to them. But the information can also be useful, say, as cities are setting up their priorities for using American Rescue Plan funding, because it can provide information on, you know, the impacts from COVID within communities. The survey findings can also shed light on areas that might be useful for more direct messaging and awareness building in communities. For example, we might have a city with a ton of cultural events going on, but the survey might indicate a pretty low score on rating cultural opportunities. And, and that might mean that people are just not necessarily aware of all the opportunities going on around them. So it can really kind of help bring together messaging and planning. It can just highlights what's important to folks. And, and that can be important for leaders who are really trying to be representative leaders. Yeah, so this can really raise red flags in communities, can't it? It can. It can bring things to people's attention that, that haven't necessarily been on their, their minds. You know, physical health and mental health are not necessarily things that city leaders are used to thinking about. And yet, sometimes the surveys are highlighting some issues there, and it, it might open up opportunities for getting involved, you know, such as, you know, the healthy cities designations and so forth that might actually provide some resources for local folks. So from what I understand, you got sufficient data from 29 cities in northern Utah, from Hyde Park, North Logan, that area, down to Hurricane and Blanding on the other side of the state. So did you find some interesting trends overall as you look statewide? Uh, we definitely did. You know, we found that personal well-being averages were all pretty tightly clustered around an average of four out of five. That's really pretty good. But we found that the community well-being varied a lot more across communities. Generally, our respondents thought that their well-being was kind of better than the city as a whole. But we had high scores for places like Draper for personal well-being, from Hyde Park, Bountiful, and Vineyard for community well-being. And a few of the rural communities really had the lower community well-being scores. I mean, these are places that are definitely struggling to keep up with the pace of change in some ways, although there are some exceptions to that as well. We, we really found that across the board and across all of the cities that natural landscapes play a really important role in well-being for folks. 
We also have to remember that the survey was done during COVID, and we know that life was far from normal at that time. And so, and all of the cities that previously participated in the survey, there were about 15 of them, 18 of them actually, we know that those scores declined for this 2021 survey. So, you know, the point here is that to do these surveys periodically so that we can think about how folks might rebound after the pandemic. Well, in fact, you did a separate assessment on COVID and its impact, right? We did. We did, for sure. Um, You know, here we really do find some differences across cities. You know, personal well-being declined in the last year for anywhere from 34% of residents in East Carbon and Vineyard to 62% in Moab and 54% in Vernal. So it really wasn't a rural-urban split on the experiences of the pandemic as one might expect. Community well-being varied even more. Very few people say in Vineyard, 27% saying community well-being declined in the last year, whereas we had 61% in Logan, 66% in Vernal, and 79% in Moab you know, really high proportions of folks saying community well-being had declined. We also learned that across the board, COVID impacts were felt much more strongly in terms of social connections and cultural opportunities, with over 70% of our Utah respondents indicating that these were areas that struggled. Mental health was also up there for over half of the respondents. Um, So there were definitely some uh, impacts felt for some folks. Well, so at a higher level then, were the well-being scores... Uh, for personal and community pretty much consistent or were there discrepancies then in a lot of cities? Yeah, there's definitely some differences. We we certainly see some variations across the cities and uh, across the different clusters of cities, the larger established cities, the very rapidly growing cities and the rural communities. But there's really variations within those clusters too. So um, the personal well-being is fairly consistent, but the community well-being and some of these categories of well-being are really varying. So we ask folks to measure, uh, to rate their well-being in 10 different categories and also to tell us which of those are, how important they are to them. And for some communities, for 12 of them, Physical health ended up being something in what we call the red zone, where it's really important, but not rated. um, It's rated lower than average. And so physical health for 12 cities, but for a different nine cities, local environmental quality was in the red zone. And that cut across the state, north, south, east and west, rural and urban. Eight cities had mental health in that red zone of, of particular concern. So there were definitely some variations across communities. Ooh, that is a big red flag too, especially when Utah really takes pride in access to open space and trails and mountains and red rock. So that is something that communities ought to know as far as personal assessment goes. Yeah, for sure. The one thing that really stood out is for for the rural communities in particular, connection with nature was very much the highest rated well-being factor. But that definitely changes when you get into more of the urban spaces. What did you find in terms of community connection through the survey? Well, we saw that there was a very strong connection between community connection and well-being. Those who felt more strongly connected to their city as a community seemed to have higher levels of personal well-being. But at the community level, it was really quite interesting that some of the rural communities that had lower levels of personal well-being on average 
tended to have higher levels of community connectedness overall. So this really highlights the importance of looking both within communities and across communities. And I think that this is something that some of the cities are, well, they are finding quite interesting, but they're not quite sure what to do about it. So we're going to be looking to provide some resources to help figure out how to build that sense of connectedness or belonging, because it, research has showed it does have some implications for health outcomes as well. Now, you assessed this information based on the city classification that the resident was from. I'm wondering, there was like first and second class, established mid-sized cities, rapid growth, and traditional rural hub resort cities. Were there consistent concerns about the future among each of these city classifications? There were some differences, actually, and we've combined some of the league's clusters here just so that we have enough cases in these different categories, but we combined them into three groups. And and these concerns for the future of their cities varied pretty considerably. In the larger and more rapidly growing Utah cities, the primary concerns for well over two-thirds of respondents included air quality, water supply, roads and transportation, affordable housing, and public safety. But when you get to the rural communities, that list changes somewhat. We get off the charts at the, at the top, opportunities for youth, employment opportunities, and substance abuse were really consistently high concerns, uh, along with water supply and affordable housing. And so there are some differences here that cut across the communities. Did you find lower numbers from communities that might be economically struggling right now? You mean lower numbers in terms of values or lower numbers of responses? Not of responses, but of values like concerns for the future or like mental health, for example. I wonder how much the economy impacts that. Yeah. And we were, you know, of course, the surveys in the midst of COVID, which also had an economic implications to it. And so, you know, issues like mental health, we found really cutting across all types of communities and definitely a concern, not necessarily the top concern, but we have truly in most cities, at least 50% of folks saying access to mental health resources is a concern for the future in my community, as well as, you know, social and emotional support. So this is definitely what's looking to be a Utah-wide issue and something that I don't think city leaders and planners have given all that much thought about because sometimes the health issues are, are more dealt with at the county level. But I'm finding city leaders are increasingly concerned about this and, and what they can do to make a difference. So why should city leaders, both from the cities where you did the surveys and nearby, perhaps adjacent cities, be really interested in the results of this survey? Well, I think one of the things we're learning is even very adjacent cities can have very different results. For example, on perspectives on population growth and economic growth, just take Lehigh and Saratoga Springs. Lehigh folks were saying that economic development is too fast, whereas Saratoga folks were saying, you know, it might be a little too slow or just right. And so it's important for each community to kind of come to grips with its own residents. Um, for cities that have been involved for the last couple of years, staying involved will help us look at how things are changing over time and actually seeing if we get that hoped for rebound after COVID. But there's always opportunities for new cities to come on board. If you're interested in this kind of data, we serve it up to you as quickly uh, as we can and, and with as many visuals so that you can try to understand what your city looks like. And then also comparisons with other cities. 
We also have a new grant um, and some funding to try to develop some more resources that relate to some of these different issues within the whole well-being sphere. So I think there's a lot of opportunities from the partnerships. We work hard to keep the costs minimal, if not zero, and we'll keep looking forward to partnering with cities. We think that the next round of surveys may come in 2022 sometime, which I think is still enough time for you to use the data on trying to help you with some of those plans for spending that American Rescue Plan funding. So that might be useful for some cities as well. Good point. How can cities get involved in the future studies? You know, just email me, Courtney.Flint at USU.edu, or give me a call. And I'd love to chat with you about your city's needs. We can also, some cities ask some of their own unique questions that they have, and we really try to make space for that within the within the survey. So we'd be really happy to, to figure out what your needs are and how we can make the project support you. Well, the information is really interesting, and I know it will be helpful to city leaders, especially as we look toward the future. So we appreciate you sharing the results of the study with us. You can find out more information on the Utah League of Cities and Towns website at www.ulct.org. Special thanks to Strata Networks, supporter of the League and sponsor of today's episode. We hope you enjoyed the Cities Work podcast brought to you by the Utah League of Cities and Towns, where cities work. I'm Susan Wood. 